Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Redemption, in terms of using it as a word of deliverance and inheritance, you were purchased, you were redeemed, you are no longer a slave, you were delivered from that, and not only that, you now, by virtue of the fact that you have been an adopted son or daughter of God, you now receive an inheritance. Today on Changed by Love, we will be discussing the heart of the gospel, and you may find it shocking. Having already told us in Galatians chapter 3 that all people are under the curse of God due to their disobedience to God's law, the Apostle Paul will explain that the heart of the gospel is that on the cross, Jesus Christ became a curse for us. In other words, Jesus took the curse instead of us, and we have the curse lifted when we place our trust in Him. This is something that every Christian or those investigating Christianity must understand. Here's Pastor Jim. Here's how you know, really, whether you are someone who's really trusting in God or or you are more of a moralist or a legalist than you think you are. A moralist is someone who is well-behaved. And they expect, because they're well-behaved, that everything is going to go right in their life. That is not in the Bible. The perfect one got crucified. Hint. I'm convinced this is why the church right now is so incredibly lukewarm in America. Because we had that big recession and so many of the moralists said to God, I served, I gave, I did this, I did that, and this is what I get a pink slip, a portfolio plunge. Those people who, a lot of people we know, that, that some of you who, who you were intending to retire on high interest rates, and now a high interest rate is 1%. <laughs> but see, the moralist says, is this what I get? Or the other extreme of the moralist says this, I guess I'm just a bad Christian. I guess it's just not enough. I must have done something wrong. And God is just so peeved with me. This is what happens to me. No, 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 no. The just shall live by faith. When the bad stuff happens, the just shall live by faith. When the Babylonians come with their pink slips, with their repos, with their bad health, with their rebellious kids, with their death in the family. Whenever, whenever the Babylonians come with, what did Habakkuk say? And Paul quoting Romans, the just shall live by faith. So what does it mean to live by faith when all that happens? It means you say to the Lord, listen, Lord, I have no idea why this is happening right now. I felt like I did everything right. And then this happened. 
but I'm going to trust you. I'm, I'm not going to waver on this. I may, but I'm, overall, my life is going to trust you. You've carried me this far. You have saved my soul. I'm going to stick with you because I know the just shall live by faith. And I'm going to be like Abraham, afraid that the kings are going to attack me. Remember we talked about this last week, and going to kill me. And you're going to take me outside God and say, look at the stars. And this is what your future is. And I'm going to believe you. No matter what it looks like now. Verse 13. We've only done two verses. The apostle Paul is going to teach here a major off-the-charts key concept Faith, what really justifies us as terms as faith goes, is what we receive as a result of faith. So it's very important that you don't think of your faith as a work. Your faith is not a work. Your faith is basically receiving. I don't even like the word accept. You receive what God gives to you, has offered to you, by faith, and what do we receive? We talked about it last week, union with Christ. We are united with Christ, clearly based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is our only hope. I got to read this verse twice, first time through. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Okay, pay attention. Big moment here for some of us. Christ has redeemed us. Uh, You know, uh, some people clip coupons. You redeem them. To be redeemed is to pay the price Christ bought us out of slavery. He redeemed us, not for the intention of hurting us, but for the intention to set us free from the slavery we were in before to make us a bond slave, a willing slave of Jesus Christ. So he has redeemed us. He paid the price for us from the curse of the law, how did he do that? You still have your seatbelts on? Having become a curse for us. The idea here is Paul is saying that curse is real. That is not an imagined thing. People might have thought it was not real, but when we look at the cross, we realize That curse is real, and Jesus bore the curse for disobedience on our behalf. That's why we say Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sins. However, that is only actualized, that is only experienced, that is only credited to your account, what by putting your trust in Jesus Christ. If you don't put your trust in Jesus Christ, you do not experience that. So he took 
the place of the Christian in dying. This is the heart of what we call the atonement. Jesus atoned for our sins. This is the way we are restored to fellowship with God. For it is written, and he quotes Deuteronomy 21, 21, Moses again writing, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now these verses must be tied to the previous verses or you're going to end up with some whacked out theology. Verse 10, he said at the beginning, For as many are of the works of the law are under the curse. So if you think you're saved by being a good person, you are doomed. You are under the curse. You are under the wrath of God. So what needs to happen to all people who are not perfect? The curse needs to be removed. Let me say that again. Don't want to go too fast. What happens to all people who are not perfect and under the curse, which the cross shows us is real, which those sacrifices over and over again showed us it is real, that curse needs to be removed. That's why the Bible uses the word for this redeem or redeemed or redemption in terms of using it as a word of deliverance and inheritance. You were purchased, you were redeemed. You are no longer a slave. You were delivered from that. And not only that, you now, by virtue of the fact that you have been an adopted son or daughter of God, you now receive an inheritance. Now, this word comes, redeem, comes from the marketplace in the ancient world, most often associated with the price paid for a slave. You have no time to talk about that. There were some very bad injustices of it, but slavery was also in many ways different than the atrocities, atrocities of the United States of America. People say, well, those guys were Christians. To my answer, that is always this. They were slave owners before they were Christians. So be very, very careful in what we're saying about some of these people. I don't know them all. Probably going to meet some of them in heaven. But there are a lot of people that you can say you're Christian, but when you treat people in such godless, disgusting, terrible ways, you can say you are whatever you are. But by their fruits, you will know them. It is also referred to, this word redeem, referred to the times when someone purchases back a friend or a relative from being a slave to set them free. That was often the way you settled debts. You owed somebody a lot of money. You didn't have a way to pay them back. You became their slave. Um, it was also called a ransom. And sometimes there would be a bidding war. And the sale was made to the highest bidder. And for a child of God, the bid was what? The blood of Jesus Christ. It was paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 says this. 
knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. <laughs> What's in money? I love this next line. From your aimless conduct received from the tradition of your fathers. <laughs> from all the dumb stuff they told you you had to do to go to heaven. Now remember, in, in Jesus' times, it was, it was an apostate form of Judaism where they had added so many other things on. We'll be talking about some of that stuff this weekend. But with the precious blood of Christ, Peter says, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So you were redeemed by the blood of Christ. Now here's the important question where some people, I think, get it wrong. Who got paid? The blood of Christ purchase us who got paid. Now, many people teach that it was Satan that was paid off. That's called the ransom theory. I completely disagree. I completely disagree. Now, he did lose something in the process. You know, he's not too happy that we're Christians. You know, I know he's going around telling people, oh, they're a bunch of loser nut jobs anyway, those people. I believe the payment was made to God. Why? Because the people that were redeemed were bought under the curse of God. They were bought from the curse of God. So Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid the penalty for their breaking the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. That's how he freed us. He freed us from the curse by undergoing the curse himself. That's the heart of the gospel. That is the heart of it. That is it. He says it right here. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. That's the heart of the gospel. You don't hear a lot of that talk these days, do you? Not at all. It's, it's oh, God has a great plan for your life. I don't doubt that. But the heart of the gospel is the Holy One descended down the steps of heaven, walked a perfect life in your place, and willingly got on that cross and became a curse for you, for us, for me. I, I tell you, man, I am hard-pressed to think of more shocking words, perhaps in the entirety of the Bible, that Jesus took on the guilt and the curse for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Jesus was our substitute on the cross that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus willingly took our sins upon him. Now, some people will teach Jesus became a sinner on the cross do not believe it. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Jesus, our sins were placed upon him on the cross 
and the punishment for our sins were placed upon him on the cross. And when we put our trust in him, what does Jesus get out of the deal? He gets our sin, and what do we get? His righteousness. Now that shows you how powerful the spiritual battle is. Because who in their right mind wouldn't take that deal? That all your sin will be taken away and all of God's righteousness will be given to you. And all you have to do is just kill all the trust in yourself and put all your trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus, <laughs> he's teaching the Galatians that Jesus willingly became a curse. Jesus willingly took the penalty of our eternal punishment onto himself on the cross. On the cross, it was as if the innocent was guilty. It, on the cross, it was as if Jesus had lived our lives and took our shame and Jesus was hung on a tree. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now you say, but he was, hang on, he was hung on a cross. Well, what's a cross made out of wood? And we'll talk more about that in a second. Now, a lot of this doesn't mean much to us, uh, but, but this is what would happen in the Bible in, in, in the time of Moses. Uh, after the execution of the wicked, they would actually be hung on a tree. They usually, hung, they usually executed them by stoning, and then they would hang them on a tree as a display. You say, that's really weird. No, 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 no. You, <laughs> you'd walk by with your kids and go, that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens when you cross God. How's that look to you? Romans did it for the same reason. You know, they, 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 they'd string somebody up. I take my two boys and I go, that's what happens. You cross Caesar, that's what you have to look forward to. And so he's hung on the tree. This was reserved for the enemies of God so all would see that that person was cursed by God. And the apostle Paul is saying in the same way, Jesus is bearing our sins and our curse. Now, the Jews, they would have thought the fact that the Messiah would be hung on a tree or on a cross would be so offensive. It would be scandalous to them. To the Romans, they would go, some Messiah. I mean, how pathetic is that? Yet, interestingly enough, this became the message of the apostles. This is the message of what we call penal substitution. Penal penalty substitution. Jesus being our substitute. And the apostles made zero effort to hide it. A few examples. Acts 5.30, Peter's on trial before the religious leaders. He says, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Acts 13, 29, the apostle Paul out in the mission field. Now, when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. 1 Peter 2, 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Notice the apostles are not only casually mentioning it, they are going out of their way to say that Jesus was hung on a tree. Now, 
Again, as I just said, in the Old Testament, the penalty, death penalty was usually stoning and a body being hung on a tree, a symbol of divine rejection. And the cross is a public display of what God thinks about sin and it is the reality of the curse and it is the reality of the wrath of God. So now when we hear Jesus on the cross say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What do we see? A man cursed. A man under divine rejection. A man experiencing that. He became that curse for us. Why did he do it? Verse 14 that the blessing of Abraham, what was the blessing of Abraham? Salvation through faith. The blessing of Abraham was righteousness. He was credited for believing God might come upon all Gentiles, all non-Jews in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, union with Christ. We are united with him that we might receive not just the forgiveness of sins, not just the forgiveness of sins, but also what? The promise of the Spirit. So we're going to have our sins forgiven, yes, but we'll also receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through being a good person? No. Through good works? No. Through faith through trusting in the crucified Christ. So the cross is the greatest demonstration. Remember we talked about how weird Christianity can be on Sunday? The cross is the greatest demonstration of God's wrath against sin, yet it is also the greatest display of God's love and God's grace towards people. Yes, Jesus was under a curse and bought us, but because of that, we can be reconciled to God and receive the inheritance that our ancestors, Adam and Eve, squandered for us and lost. Our sins are forgiven. They are washed away. We also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who uh, assures us that we belong to God. The Holy Spirit helps us live for God which is why, remember back in verse three, he said last week, why are you going back to the ways of the flesh? You've begun in the spirit. Why have you gone back to the ways of the flesh? So God's salvation and gift of the Holy Spirit come to us by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, taking God's curse for you in your place. In other words, what was a curse for Christ is a blessing for us and it is received through faith, through turning to God and putting our trust in Jesus Christ. God wants us to see, and I think he's using stunning language, what this all means. That Christ was treated on the cross as we should have been, so we could become righteous 
in him. And so the apostle is teaching that salvation is much more than the forgiveness of sins. We become united to Christ. We are perfect in Christ. We are perfect in God's sight. And we live lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love. Changed by Love.